0: Welcome to Unboard, Unplugged, Unscripted Board Leadership, a conversation between boardroom leaders that covers leadership, priorities, and influence. Now, here's Brian Hayward. I'm pleased to be today with Mike Mack, who's a speaker, coach, facilitator, uh, runs a company called X5 Management, but he's also had the bug and has written a couple of books, uh, Relationship for Keeps. Remarkable service and uh, lunch with leaders, but we'll get into that. Um, so, welcome, Mike. Uh, I'm very appreciative uh, to have you with me today.
1: Hey, Brian. Uh, grateful to uh, make the connection. And uh, full disclosure that while we haven't known each other that long relative to 2022, uh, meeting you in Kenmore, and we can talk about that. We we somewhat had an instant connection. So I was really flattered yeah. at the opportunity yeah. to invite it to your uh, yeah. your program.
0: You know what though? Lunch with leaders. You didn't, you didn't invite me to lunch.
1: <laughs> so I know it's, I got, uh, it's so
0: I'm waiting for the invite to come in. Um, yeah. in any event, I, I like starting these things off say, okay, so imagine that it wasn't Canmore where we met, but <laughs> we're going up this elevator together and I hit the eighth floor and you go, Oh, that's where I'm going to. It, it, when you think about your life, Mike, and, and where you are right now, um, you know, we're going up to the eighth floor. How did you get to be in this place where you're writing books and you're you're having lunch with leaders and all of what you're doing? Take take me through the the, the path that got you where you are.
1: Well, I, I'll be quick on that, but at the same time, I'd be better. Oh, the
0: elevators but only go to eight. It's not to, eight. It's <laughs>
1: I'm gonna say thirty fourth. Uh, I, I have an office downtown I haven't done thirty fourth. So I got more time. You know, I uh, in a nutshell, I you know, I I always say humble beginnings, growing up in small town Saskatchewan as a farm boy. So I I learned to work hard, and I learned to be nice to people. I learned that from my father to work hard, and my mother to be a nice person. Uh, I was in the financial services industry for a long time. I learned to be professional and do things in a banking environment and insurance lane, and. Honestly, a couple of friends of mine had more of the bug that I should evolve to be this entrepreneurial guy, which I started X5 now 16 plus years ago. And really, the, the, the thing that I love to do and how I got to where I'm at today, you know, just evolution through relationships, a bit of a catalyst on Relationship for Keeps in the book. And got my MBA 20 years ago. I thought I, I might know a couple things relative to my own experience that I could get into my own consulting practice and coaching and facilitation. You know, I did a journey with Toastmasters for a long time. So I became a reasonably effective communicator. And to where we are today, really, honestly, in a nutshell, just those relationships just really made the difference. Doors open. They definitely open easier today than they did 10 years ago, Brian. And and just like anything, I you know, I I learned this a number of years ago. You know, you got to create value, which the business model did that. But my number one thing really is how I demonstrate value. I would say I have to demonstrate value before the check is cut. So I'm not a flashy sales guy. I want to earn the respect of someone and we can genuinely add value to them. So doing this 16 years, Brian, I can honestly say, and I think our elevator is going to click here where I can (laughs) genuinely say I love what I do professionally more today than even five years ago. Very gratifying.
0: So you're talking about relation, and then I'm, I'm kind of going forward to the lunch with leaders, but was yeah. there a mentor or somebody that, you know, is like, I had a guy, my grade seven teacher, uh, I don't want to say his name because I use it as my password every once in a while. And they say, well, who was your, <laughs> but was there somebody that, that tipped it where that, where you started focusing in on the relationship and the quality of relationships?
1: Yeah. Great, great question. And I, I would say I'm blessed at an early age where I realized the importance of mentorship. So while well, I had a, a good, hardworking dad, I, I worked as a kid in small town Saskatchewan, and I had a, a gentleman and he's dedicated in my first book, Vernon Hibbard, passed away about five years ago, but he, he was always and larger than life than anybody else. He always just thought bigger. So he always challenged me to think bigger. And I think that was, that was really my very first mentor. And then, as my second book alluded to, I had another mentor who uh, resides in Coquitlam, BC today, Arnold at 87 years of age, really was the people guy and the charismatic sales professional. He was in real estate. And those two were real catalysts as well to, to be more than I even thought I could. They, they made me think bigger. Uh, they challenged me as well. I think I go back to some of my favorite bosses back in the day in my career. Well, they were nice to me and all of that. But I think my favorite boss has actually challenged me to stretch myself, stretch the muscle and I think bigger today, Brian than I did 16 years ago and you know what's possible when you do that is, is really endless. I mean you and I are having a conversation today in our respective cities and doing what we do professionally that would have never happened say 20 years ago. highly you know improbable that would have happened. So creating the opportunities was really a catalyst from the mentorship perspective for sure.
0: So, I mean, you, you know, you talk about a bunch of leaders, but, um, but is there, you know, if you had to boil down, what are the really core uh, characteristics of, you know, personality? What are the core characteristics of great leaders? Well,
1: there's a, there's a big list, but in a nutshell, and it will come out to theme a little bit in the new book coming out on a bunch of leaders, but um, not all of them are strong relationship people like say you or I, for example, that's evident, you know, they're, Maybe they have an accounting background, they're strong in the numbers, and they know how to scale up a business. Uh, a couple come to mind is, is strong emotional intelligence, for the most part, because they, they go through a lot, like a yo-yo in the business cycle. Uh, a real drive, and that drive, interestingly enough, isn't always financial. It's a drive for more. It's a drive to protect their family or make sure that their employees that started with their business stay employed. Perseverance. Uh, You know, my, my journey, I was really blessed during COVID to be really busy with coaching and, and just the admiration for what some of those leaders had to go through financially, mentally, emotionally was daunting. And those that maintain some of those core strengths um, really got them through that as well. And they're stronger as a result of that. I think the other maybe takeaway is that most of them, for the most part, are open-minded. That as smart as they are and successful, they realize that they don't have all the answers. Not dissimilar than you and your capacity in the uh, board chair profession, the governance side where they they want that expanded support to be better as an organization as well. So that those are some of the key things that there's definitely a consistent theme with those leaders that I've got to know over the last number of years for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I found that you know uh, it's it's ironic in a way, but people that have self confidence that so they're just <laughs> on the right side of narcissism. <laughs> like, you don't want to I cross like that it. line. No, it's as bad. Yeah. But 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 yeah. if you're on the right side, and so that you can actually and 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 being self aware as well, so that you know open mindedness and and sort of being self aware. Uh, yeah, you, you know, you mentioned that, that you know through COVID. Um, and I, I'm imagining—correct uh, uh, me if I'm wrong—that you did the book through the lunch with leaders through COVID. Did you have you noticed any changes in leadership characteristics as a result of of the pandemic? Where people used to do X mm-hmm. prior to, but now they're more—you you have to demonstrate leadership in a different way because you're going to be doing it via Zoom or whatever platform you're going to use. Is there yeah, noticed any with- change?
1: indeed. And great question. And and truth be told, I mean, really, I started the book in late 2021. So while it will be out in the spring of 2023, it's been a process and I've been busy, which is a great problem to have. You know, I think a couple notable things that come to mind, particularly with those that I, that were clients that I maintained a relationship with, uh, they really think about their people more than ever. Some were already good at that. They think even more about their people and the impact of their individuals right and, and I, I know some next level managers that i work with in some of our retained clients where their hard driven leadership they've really softened a bit they're still driven but they care a lot about their people because those individuals went through a lot child care other matters young couples working at home etc so that's the notable thing that that comes up i think the other aspect i talked to an old friend of mine today who's who's in consulting has been an executive over the years is a minute older than I am. And, you know, he made the comment, he said, just mind-blowing that we're sitting here doing a video call and we think nothing of it today because we didn't have time to grab a glass of wine before Christmas, as an example. And he, uh, he goes, like, there, there has been many benefits that come out of that. So I think the ability to communicate, for some organizations, they might have made it that an excuse during COVID where it's more difficult. Arguably, you got more access to communicate with people more frequently than ever before. So don't miss that. And I think the other part, the flexibility of how they communicate is very different now that those that are veteran executives are more comfortable on zoom and teams because it's the reality. That, that's what they need to do. Do I need to drive an hour to have a 30 minute meeting with you? Not necessarily. And I think even the old school leaders realize this actually does make sense. You know, I, I'm talking to some people today that they, they, Jokingly, can barely use your phone, but they they know how to use Zoom and Teams really well because it's it's click, it's that simple, right?
0: Yeah, I, I have to say, I still feel challenged to convey in what I do that uh, that uh, th- that I care about people. It, like this is just uh, like Zoom and 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 all of that is is a very clinical, very s- sanitary environment. Is you know, I, I, and I I don't know where we're going to land in the future still you know, on, on this hybrid workplace. And, you yeah. know, especially at a, at a board level or, or senior executive level where it, there's, there's a recognition that, you know, to get to know somebody a bit and, and have a, some kind of social event helps you trust them more when you're in, in the business meeting part. Um, Cause this is all transactional and, and, and I don't, I don't, I don't know that we can actually, simply do transactional meetings. We need the other part, but there's some people that are just, anyways, it's, 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 it's hard so to uh, understand.
1: On a related note, I, I've got a question for you, Brian, the host is that, you know, when, when you think about your, your great book on, on the great chair and, and doing a lot of board governance in your lane, say late 2019 and the boards that you're involved in, maybe this is a, a key question, are those board meetings potentially as effective today as they were back then notwithstanding the relationship side but once let's say we broke bread together but now instead of meeting uh every month or quarterly uh in person we're meeting virtually what what's your view on that from the from the board perspective
0: yeah uh, that's a great question too and I I, I I am a bit confused because i think you know part of building trust, the level of trust you need, that if you're going to be in a board setting and you're going to actually, you know, go into sort of a, a, a creative mode, say something or be courageous or say something that might be uh, controversial. I, I think that in part relies on having frequent enough personal interaction with people so that you can actually say something that, maybe might offend or, but I think, you know, some of the models that you hear about these days is, Oh yeah, well, we're still going to have a strategic planning session once a year for a day, but then the rest of the time we'll just do zoom. Uh, and I'm not sure that, that, that you can cover off that. The, the same as, as if you have everything. And, and I, I think we're probably going to take, maybe another year, two, three years and and post, you know, whenever when there's normal health and the airplanes are all working properly and the airports yeah, are yeah. jammed. Um it's uh I I think it's not there's something lacking still and I can't put my finger on it. Um I don't I don't feel that that we have and maybe it's just the situations I've been involved in that I don't feel that the trust level yeah. it, and it, I don't want to say camaraderie because That's that's a. It sort of sounds. Oh yeah, we're all you know playing golf or some, some something like that. But the 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 feeling of uh, that you that you actually have a peer that's has a genuine interest in the in the the future of the organization. The same way, like we're 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 brothers on this thing, right, Mike? You know, Uh, I I just don't feel that 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 level of uh, affinity maybe is is, is is i don't even...
1: i i i agree with you a lot i have a couple of comments because we, we both have an appreciation for reading or writing books but you know the old one of uh, Covey's seven habits you know begin with the end in mind i think if we look at it today i, I think that way like chestnut checkers another great book uh mark miller where hey what do we want to get out of this in the next year even if we did those virtual meetings or otherwise you know, if it's, Hey, we can move the needle we can, you know, we can get the package on the doorstep like Amazon, if you will. But one of my favorite books going back years ago, and I, and I reference it often, John C. Maxwell is a great leadership, uh, author. Um, everyone communicate, communicates few connect. So here's what I discovered and what I do professionally for the past 16 years during COVID doing a lot of one-to-one work coaching predominantly. I, I had a deep connection almost more so with some clients than I did pre-COVID, but it was one-to-one. So if you look at a board environment or an executive team, for example, well, it takes more work and it may not always be practical, that everyone communicates, few connect. They care a great deal about that. I had lunch with a former client today and just this connection is just deep. And for the record, the first year we worked together, I've never met him during COVID, Mm -hmm. but... But then we got to meet and realize that we had these deep, deep conversations, and we have a high level of trust for one another. We talk about a lot of things as friends today more than anything, but it did start with that one-to-one connection. So again, easier said than done when you look at a board environment that can each committee chair talk to each other. In theory, you could, but doing it one-to-one does indirectly create the virtual camaraderie that... You, you don't get at a uh, having a glass of wine in the mountains or golfing or otherwise. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but you got to invest in it if, if you do it. And it's a long play, I guess that's how I look at it more than anything.
0: So was there an epiphany some moment? Like I've been re- through writing a book you've written three. I go, Whoa, it was, it was a journey just to, it was there an epiphany moment when, 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 before you wrote your first book, what was the, yeah. The the sort of uh, seminal moment where it's like, yep, I'm I'm gonna do this. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyways, go ahead. I, I, was, I had another question really, but I'll I'll get to it. Uh, I'll
1: I'll be ready for it. I, I love I love you uh, having him uh, firing away. You know, I think a couple of things come to mind. I, I I'm proud to say that I've got a couple other books in me already. I mean, I, in fact, I have one that I drafted years ago because I did blogs back in the day, a number of years ago, and I retained all that information on file. Where when I when I wrote Remarkable Service, and it's ironic, I got a cover of a red door open, and the subtitle says how to keep your doors open. And then there was a downturn. That I, I put that out in 2017. And then we went through COVID. And suddenly that book, it, which is, has been a fruitful book for me in that regard, more on the consulting and, and work side. But I cared a great deal about that because while I'm in the people business, we all value great customer service. And Lots of discussion on that. Is it looked the same or better or worse since we came out of, uh, you know, the doldrums of COVID at the peak of it anyway. So for the record, that as my first book was, was difficult for me because of my first book relationship for keeps was a bit of, you know, loosely depicts my life and journey a little bit as well. And I put some character development together. I found that book particularly easy to do. Uh, That one was a real creative passion, if you will. Now, when I get into Lunch with Leaders, which is not fully, you know, uh, on Amazon yet, that's been a big project. So not only it's north of 80,000 words, but when I sat down and I looked at, I'll give credit to an old author from way back, was Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. That was indirectly the catalyst because I always, you know, in that elevator discussion earlier, that, that book, if we had two more floors, I would have referenced it because, <laughs> hey, I, I'm a small town boy. I moved to Edmonton. We got 1.2 million and change people. I know a lot of people in the city today being here 28 years. And I don't have to eat alone very often. And I realize the more I did what I did professionally, my circle evolved where I got to have lunch literally with more leaders and they became clients or friends. So that, that's really where it got it. So when I look at the excitement of the new book, I believe it's going to be a great book because there's so many great stories by a bunch of great leaders that I had the privilege of interviewing and and putting it to paper. And their journey is it, every chapter I read is like, wow, that's a great story because it's their story. Fascinating.
0: Yeah, humanity loves stories. It's it, and and that's I, I was fortunate because I, I, my 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 thing on the stories uh, is is that I, I actually did I think it was. F- close to 60,000 words. And for the people who haven't written a book, you go, Oh, that's, that's a fair number of, um, you know, but when I, I, because I had all these stories, but I was reluctant to tell them because I didn't want to be doing a, a kiss and tell. So my book's got 13 stories about what really happened. It did happen yeah. in the boardroom, but, but, um, but I, Scott Baldwin, who, uh, I'm not sure if you've encountered him. He was, he was my muse. And, um, and, and he, I, I finished the book as far as I was concerned and he read a draft of it and he says, where's like, it, it's, it's good, but there's no stories in it. And, and so I actually, when I, when I looked at, you know, relationship for Keeves, remarkable service, Oh well, yeah, that's, that was, there's something I no disrespect. That's, it's a bit sort of more removed and Then I see lunch with leaders. And I immediately thought I actually thought your inspiration might have been Jerry Seinfeld uh having coffee with comedians. <laughs> so, yeah. Is there any truth to that? Luncheon no, leaders? It is. isn't. I, I
1: not only am not as uh, you know wealthy as uh, Jerry, but
0: uh Oh you're um, on your way.
1: <laughs> well, it uh yeah, I think I think it was as much as anything, just just an admiration and respect to know i i like the title for the record but there's a number of those individuals in the book that i can honestly say i have bought them lunch unlike you and i i do owe you the one i have to do a skip to ship it to winnipeg or something i don't make that happen but it was it was just that evolution as you said earlier you know what what's those characteristics on drive and perseverance and self-awareness all of that comes out and makes and there's a theme there there's a lot of themes a lot of hardship and opportunities and drive and passion and and uh, so while it, it's been a lot of work and I'm not fully, fully done the final edits, it, it's it been an incredibly gratifying project. And truth be told, I talked to a, uh, he's a chairman of a pretty large company today that, that we work with. And I just saw him last week and he'd made a comment. Hey, so what's the status on the book? Because they're involved. And he goes, I got, I got, I got some other things that I want to add. So he said, let's, let's grab a lunch. So that's part of the reason for the delay because He's got a bunch of stories guys in his eighties, highly successful guy. And he's a hell of a storyteller. So, you know, it depends how far back I go. Like this is going to be rich with stuff that, that rest assured, you know, and and a little, little hint here for you, he actually has an affiliation with Winnipeg way back in the day, by the way. So there you go.
0: (laughs) So is there one, one lunch that you had that, you know, not, not or spoiler alert, but that, you're particularly proud of in in lunch with leaders?
1: I I, I have one that comes to mind because this was just a recent thing, and I'll share it, and this particular leader will be fine that I'm saying it. Uh, valued client, Coventry Homes in Edmonton. Uh, they've been a client for a year and a half. Um, Henry's originally a Saskatchewan farm boy, uh founded that company 46 years ago, very successful. Home builder of the year in Edmonton in 2021. So successful. I, I would say of any leader. Five years, let alone this year, I've had lunch with him more than anybody, guaranteed, more than my wife, probably. And it was about a month ago and we had lunch and we were done going to our usual spot, little plug plug the Home Fire Grill on the west side in Edmonton. We go there a lot. But we got all done and Henry kind of looked at me and goes, I'm still hungry for dessert. He said, you want to split a dessert with me? (laughs) So as we did that and we had this chocolate lava with some ice cream and we're splitting this dessert, he goes wow, we've, we really evolved in this relationship side. I said, we've officially had, you know, lunch with leaders and now we've had dessert. So that, that literally was about a month ago. And it, so it's very gratifying because the, the off camera, in camera stuff that we talk about is just, it's just fascinating. We get to talk about everything, about everything, less about the business some days on many things that I get a lot of joy out of that. And, and, uh, you know, we've been together for dinners with our spouses and all those wonderful things too. But, um, just it's, it's open, open mic, much like your, uh, your podcast with me today. Just, uh, you know, we're, we're doing it unscripted and unchartered, so to speak.
0: Maybe, maybe the next one's going to be dessert with derelicts. <laughs> so. hey,
1: hey, I, I, maybe you got a more marketing savvy than I do in terms of that, but, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just be- kind
0: of do it. What, what you know, my wife has actually been uh, one of my inspirations because she buys like tons of audiobooks And so uh, people have thought, Oh, I must've done all this research, but mostly what's happened is it, she's got an audio book on and I'll sort of by osmosis, I'll learn a lot of stuff. So it's uh, did, did you ever have a point, where you're thinking, Oh, I'm done. I, I'm just going to throw this all away. I'm, I'm, I'm not, it's just too much work. I, I think most, most people, the, the thing I was going to ma- make a point of and just ask you if it's happened to you, once you've written a book, you end up doing a lot of informal, at least it's happened to me, a lot of informal consulting with people going like, I've got to, I'm going to write a book. Tell me how to
1: do yep. it. <laughs> you got it. Just had one of those last week. Uh, you know, I, I, I can give you a quick answer. Uh, a lot of work, but but there there was was an intention to writing the book, and and I don't like disappointing people. So when you commit to all of the individuals that I've interviewed, I mean, I interviewed fourteen leaders, and I mean that's that's an hour and change each. So you put a bit of an investment in it. I had enough contact content, um, no no turning back, and and really the only thing that probably changed was the timeline because the world's not waiting for it. It'll be a great book when it comes out, but. Uh, I also elevated a bit of my investment in this book this time too, and who I'm working with. And they gave me a lot of advice. And they go, you could listen to it or not, but you are paying for the advice. So, so from that vantage point, I decided to go in. So I, you know, I have a, I think the book's going to be pretty good, but they grilled me on a lot of things, much like your, your muse relative to the stories. I already had the stories, but just the start of a chapter in the back of they're just things that that's what they do professionally. So I decided to, I, my goal wasn't let's write another book. It was like, I want to write the best book I've ever written and it's going to be on leadership. And that's, that's where I'm at. So when you set those goals and when people go, wow, good for you, it's work as you well know, I, you, you've got, you, you got a great book full of packed with great content and uh, I'm, I'm flipping through it as we talk. You don't have a lot of pictures in it. That is all content. All all Brian wisdom. Oh sure. yeah.
0: Yeah, I I think and you must find this as well. I, I what I've said to people is the worst part of writing a book is having to read your own book again and again and again and again.
1: <laughs> and, you got it. And I and, and, I'm
0: there. And, oh, it's uh, it's torture. And I I think that's where where a lot of people lose it. So it, so you had 14 interviews and 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 was there did you have a thread that you were trying to build upon across all 14 prior to having putting to, things together? or did you have your own, again to use the word epiphany at the end where you're going, you know when I when I look at all these things, is is there a chapter at the end an epilogue or you know, lessons learned? that, that came out that before you did all of these meetings, you, you, you weren't really aware of or whatever. And it was a realization or an education or a learning, uh, some wisdom that developed out of, out of that process yeah. in and of itself.
1: I love the question. So in answer, you know, that summary chapter, if you will, whatever that will officially be called. Uh, very true. Uh, I I was pleasantly surprised because as diverse as the leaders Lots of them were entrepreneurs, but they're they're not all all entrepreneurs. A couple aren't, but senior leaders of organizations. There, there was really a theme: um, Very humble individuals. There was you know success, and there was a willingness to be part of it. And, and and in fact, one very very successful CEO, big name company who is not a client. When it was all done, that initial interview, they just said, "Mike, I just want to personally thank you for this opportunity." Because I just actually got to talk about my journey and as the founder, I never talk about it. So that, that was really gratifying. You know, I, I think relative to connecting it, number one, I, I knew, you know, I had a couple of introductions, but fundamentally I knew of these people, I reached out to them. They were receptive to it. We did some pre-work on hey, what, what does this look like? And, and I had some scripted questions obviously, but They were really willing participants and they all have really fascinating stories, but they somehow all connect in a crazy way. And, and, and even just as an example, relative to a family component or a hardship or a loss of a parent at a young age, there was a theme in, in 50% of the cases. So that was one, you know, perseverance came up just again and again, you know, pre COVID stuff, just wow, grinding it through. Here's what I got to do. So, you know when it's all done now, and and again, my publisher would suggest there's an order and flow of the chapters, but you can read a chapter independently and and be satisfied with that one chapter and come back to chapter two tomorrow and and feel good about that. So I really wanted each one to stand on their own, if you will. Um, there were there were a couple of themes. There was a theme of crying on your entrepreneurial pillow or crying on the kitchen floor like that was male and female. I'm not where that came up where they talked about their emotion and their vulnerability and all of that, that that was really magical. So when I asked the question, the bulk of that answer was, is going to be the content, if you will. I let that free flow because I genuinely want it to be their story. And then with respect to when you interview someone like we're doing today, some people at the end of like, Oh, that one piece, uh, I'm not sure I want that in there. I go, Hey, not a problem. You're going to get to approve that chapter before it's published. But Yeah, a real creative journey. I think, Brian, you can attest to this too, having a book out. You know, I'm getting tougher because when you write that first book, you know, you could have 100 people love it and two people don't like it. And you're like, oh, geez. But here's what I learned in this experience. And I'm going to ask you the same question in a moment. But number one, why I wrote the book and who was I writing the book for? So that's why that allowed me to keep going on Lunch with Leaders. So now I'm going to flip it over to you. You, you put together the great chair, great book. Uh, inevitably, why did you write it? Who did you write it for?
0: Yeah, well, my own journey was was um, I stumbled into governance, actually, from the point of view that um, I, I've been in board meetings and, and seen good ones and bad ones, and I was trying to actually um, uh, think think through why was that a good meeting, and why was this a bad one and 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 you know sort of the logical flow is oh yeah well this is this was a a, a bad meeting because we had a, you know to lay off a bunch of people or something like that but that wasn't necessarily the case the subject material really didn't wasn't wasn't the driver of why the meeting felt it, it it's the, that pit in your stomach thing where you leave a meeting and you, and you go like, boy, that was a waste of my time or I didn't like that at all. And it wasn't the material. It wasn't the people even. Cause I could say, Oh, you know, I really like Mike, I like, you know, you know, Sally or whatever. Um, and and so my, my moment was actually, uh, uh, Richard Powers, uh, and cause I've been involved with this sort of governance universe, but I, 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 asked, uh, Richard, if anybody had sort of done a dive into, into chairing, because it seemed to me that the chair of, of the meeting, the person who's at, at the pointy end of the boat, if it's a table of the board table, yeah. um, is is has a lot. It can really influence the feeling of of the meeting, and and there's all sorts of prescriptions. It's like a Betty Crocker cake recipe, where if you go to this school and they say, "Okay, here's how you do an agenda," or "Here's how you do this," and it just seemed to be lacking in in the feeling part and and the art of it. Um, you know, you you and I, you mentioned that you know we were talking in Canmore, and and uh, you know, it, it, for me we had chemistry within like five seconds. I, agree. And I, know, I, I can't, I can't explain what that chemistry is. It was a feeling there's so mm-hmm. much of what happens in you know, people, some people that are listening to this goes, Oh, that must be just board stuff. But you know, each of us have been in some kind of meeting, uh, rare it is these days that you've never been in a meeting and you and the it. feeling of the meeting. And, and i I think that there's a lot of ground there. I, I, I my, my journey into governments came from negotiations because you can see how, when you go to Harvard uh, negotiations or you take negotiating courses or arbitration mediation courses, it's all about uh, feelings and, and trust and reciprocity things that are much less clinical. And, and so that was, mm-hmm. and, and by virtue of all of these, Rotman professors saying, no, nobody's really kind of gotten into that stuff. I thought, and and when I went to Richard and said, like, is, would it be worth my while? And he said, absolutely. And so I, I feel blessed uh, actually to, to, when Richard sent me back an email saying it was the best governance book he's ever read. I was like, Whoa, Love it. Like, but uh, and, 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 and I think, you know, for, for people that have not written a book that are listening to us having this chat, I'm sure yeah. it's happened to you where you've made friendships and acquaintances just by virtue of writing a book that you never would have imagined if you had not, you know, the, the worst thing, I mean, people, you probably get this too. Oh, how are sales there, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> and they go, yeah. sales is like, you know, you don't, you don't write a book. To sell tons, well, maybe you know you can say you're best selling, but yeah, you don't really make money at it, do you? <laughs> so, not,
1: not on the uh, on the book sale side. It, somebody's I, I making didn't...
0: money. Do you, did you do an audio book? Uh, Are you going to?
1: <laughs> I, I I probably will. So, truth be told, uh, remarkable services an audio book that I, I so the book came out in 2017. I did the audio in 18. I did not do one in relationship keeps. I probably should. Uh, I it is my full intention to do lunch with leaders, and that might be. 90 days after the book's out ish. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big read. So while I'm comfortable to do that, it it is, it's quite a task. And you, not only if you put that on an audio, you know, audible platforms, you know, you, you've got to be in a pretty good studio. You pay a bit of money to read your book. Literally. If I do it myself, which I probably would, you know, it, it, it it's an investment, but it's a tedious process. So if you give you an example, my last books, you could read quickly in under three hours. I had 12 hours of studio time. You know, when you put it in perspective, because you can't read two and a half hours and maintain the voice and have perfect flow and commas, and you screw up after a while yeah. looking at a word that, how do I screw up that word? It seems so easy to say, you know, leadership or... On yeah. service. I just read that uh, word
0: out the, the great chair is on an audio, uh there is available an audio book, but yeah, I had to um my I used a voice actor, um and, and just and he's great, but he he did have some issues uh because he's he's not a golfer and and so I actually use the name of Rory McElroy. Anybody that follows golf will know Rory McElroy Indeed. But he, he said, and when Rory McIlroy gets to the team. Uh, <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I will. Uh, I will. I will narrate it on on my own, just by just by my own choice. You got, you have a great voice, by the way. So any reason you didn't do it uh, versus having somebody else?
0: Uh, you know, I went uh, the my my place where I get all my best information, which is the internet. <laughs> so just <laughs> no, I I did a bit of research on it, and, and uh, is it, it, it basically you have to have a proper place to do it, and you know, right now we're pretty lucky that my Yorkshire Terrier. Hasn't um, lit up Quiet. and barked, so you need all of this sort of uh, stuff around you. But uh, anyway, so what your your business though? So we're forgetting about books because that's not really business. That's <laughs> that's. It's all um, good. Where do you see yourself in five years?
1: Yeah, great question. So I'm um, uh, I got a pretty good runway into my fifties already. So been doing this sixteen years. I I think a lot about that, and I'll I'll call it you know my current reality and my future reality. So I've had a business coach. I practice what I preach. So I've I've had a no oh, really coach okay. on grow, mm-hmm. growing the business. You know, if, if I were to say five years, uh, we're, we're going to have a pretty good run in twenty twenty three. I'm really excited about what we have in the pipeline. We're going to grow. You know, I, I I did a significant amount of change in early twenty twenty with the business, so I really have a whole new team. I have seven to be eight coming on in in January, including me. So relative to the next five years, you know, you argue where I'm at today because I'm still very much part of the business. I I love what I do more than ever. So, you know, I always joke, I'm I'm not shingling roofs. And while my knees aren't as awesome as a 20 year old, I I, I get to do a lot of things where I, I get to use my, my voice. I get to use my experience and my relationships. So I envision doing that, you know, am I hanging out in Palm Springs in January and February and working virtually uh, during January and February, perhaps, because I, I, like most people that love what they do, I don't see hanging up the shingle right away. I love what I do too much. We have a real opportunity right now to grow the business, to get some pretty good infrastructure. I, I, I keep investing into the business and marketing and infrastructure and just bringing on a new executive assistant January 3rd, really excited about that. I think the other part that, that I've learned quickly out of COVID is we, we grew in the last couple of years at a pretty healthy rate where the possibilities really have expanded. And while I have a preference to say dealing with clients in Western Canada, for example, I, I have over COVID talked to people in the Middle East and Australia and Mexico and Eastern seaboard because I can and our world's become yeah. smaller
0: I it's it's fascinating because uh just to that point uh, yesterday I did a a session which is a condensed version of the book my book uh no yours obviously um and and uh the the audience one was in Perth Australia somebody else is in Peru somebody else was in London England somebody else is down in Illinois in the United States um and and I can't remember the, anyways it was just. I was thinking, wow, what a world we're in now, and and it, and I actually just imagine because you know we we the iPhone only came out in 2007, and here we My are boy. 15 years later doing these sort of global uh, connections, and I think well you know even 10 or 15 years, 15 years of iPhone, imagine what it's going to be like in 2040, what our ability to communicate is going to be because like. this technology is not going to be static. And no. and uh, so I, I'm, you know, I I look at back to to board stuff and 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 meetings just generally, and how organizations that that occupy a lot of geography, in multinational, how they're going to function, and I I think it's going to be extremely challenging for for boards for senior managers for to actually understand. Uh and I gotta go back to your point about people, because that was mm-hmm. you you raised that right at the beginning, the importance of people. Then yeah. how do we engage people when in a lot of places in the world, populations are declining and aging, and so the old proverbial war for talent uh is gonna become even more intense. And and so engaging people uh, is going to be critical against this backdrop of, of increasingly sophisticated technology can either be a tool for engaging in a more meaningful way with people or the opposite but so yeah just you know sort of uh, maybe getting towards the end here you know you and I met at this uh this you mentioned Camrose, uh Canmore rather yeah uh, because C- Camrose is in a, a small town in in it's Alberta. A great
1: community <laughs> yeah, it is. as well it is uh, indeed.
0: but uh you know so that was that was uh a, a you know conversation amongst people that that are involved with board work generally mm-hmm what was your biggest takeaway from, from, from that?
1: Well, I have a couple of comments and this is with respect to people like you. Um, I I always say I'm a man of reasonable intelligence. I I have to tell you the takeaway is regardless if those people in the room were 30 or 63, damn, there were some incredibly intelligent people in there that were genuinely really nice that knew a ton about board governance. And they also knew a ton about a lot of things on leadership and uh, the relative experience, I was blessed to know 15 or 20 people in the room just from the Alberta marketplace. But but that takeaway is just the willingness for those individuals at their relative level of intelligence. I, I consider you one of those too. When we sat in a breakout, like I, I could learn a ton from you all day long relative to leadership or governance. And I, I applauded that. And we did have that nice connection right with the get-go. But I, I just really admired that that everybody was willing to open and kudos to our hosts and Darren and Mary at the time plug out to them where that's, that was even a bit of the selection process of the people that were in the room with within the the group over the last number of years is that they were individuals that might've had great experience, but were willing to learn from others. And I I think some of the groups that I was in, I'm like mind blowing bench strength that was available. So if, if you're small to medium size enterprise or not-for-profit organization grabs hold of some of those people in the room to help support them and strategy and governance. You're in good hands in that regard, just in that circle alone. So that was, that was the number one takeaway. And, and just the relationship of people that you and I, like the fact that if we hadn't been in that group, we may or may not have connected, but it was like, you know, kind of fast connections. And, and I think the other aspect is at our relative stage of our life, you know, don't stop learning ever. Keep growing and evolving. And, and uh, when you hang out with smart people, you become smarter. Now, I, I have a segue on this. Years ago, when I was early in my career, um, and I, I worked for a large nonprofit before I, before I branched out to, uh, to X5. And I uh, had a mentor of mine who's now, he's probably pushing 70 now. He's retired. So a couple, couple years older than I am or more. Um at a younger age, he would always say to me, He said, Mike, you're you're pretty smart for a young man. Someday you'll be wise. And I've never forgotten that. And I always really admire that, whether I'm talking to you or Darren or uh, Jody Abbott and Edmonton's highly regarded. Like, my goodness, like Vita's willing to listen, the, the things you can learn are endless. Um on a segue on that, this this comes up in, in a this it's it's a hospitality video about customer service comes out in New York originally. Danny Meyer, the, the, uh, the Burger Baron, and, and uh, Grammerson Tavern under New York. But one of the statements he talks about relative to these particular skills in hospitality was curious intelligence. Your comment where you get your knowledge today on the internet is you've got access to anything you want. You have a choice to learn it. You have a choice to do something about that information, whether you write a book or you read a book. So I think whether we have a forum in Canmore we get to! uh, You got me excited about your audio, by the way, because I am definitely going to pick it up. Because while I love your book, I'm just a big audio guy. Because when I'm driving to and fro, I'll think of you, even though you're not actually it's your voice, and I'll hear names that don't uh, aren't aren't correct. I'm going, who was that golfer's name again? Um, But I remember, (laughs) I remember Rory and McIlroy. Yeah, yeah, that Irish guy. Yeah, Yeah, the Irish guy. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, Mike, this has been really enjoyable and, uh, I I'm looking forward to the next time that uh, we get to connect, uh, hopefully before, uh, I was going to say can camera was a gig. Can floor, but, uh, but undoubtedly if, if, if not before then, um, but there's always zoom, right. And there there
1: is now I I don't like to interrupt the host, but I have a question for you because this this is a big deal. And I'm, I'm curious if I
0: don't answer it correctly, then I'm just going to edit it out.
1: You you will, but this is a bonus because it was a pretty big deal and I want to kind of understand why the heck a guy like you, I mean, super smart guy on the board government side, cybersecurity governance MIT Sloan School of Management like what <laughs> te- what the heck is that all about and why did you do that
0: um well actually it, what's fascinating about cybersecurity is is uh there there is there's a very definitive business purpose to it because I'm on a board where um that is is a very real business issue just like if you were um, owning a bunch of properties and you say, well, I guess we should have some fire insurance or something like that for that. And I, and I but my, uh, you know, a couple of businesses, small businesses even, uh, that, that, and the place where I play golf couldn't make a reservation because they got hacked and shut down. So this, I think this is pervasive. And I've always been, you know, one of, one of the things that I've always, uh, I guess, taken some amount of pride in is um, I'm, I'm a curious person. And, and so there's an element of curiosity to it, but also um, I'm also driven by fear, thinking uh-huh. that I'm an imposter. We all have some measure of imposter syndrome. And and thinking, you know, sure. this would be something I should know that you know that I can say, yeah, you know, you know, somebody say, oh, you are you a good director? I say, yeah, no, I took an MIT course, so I I'm I'm a I have a I have a certificate. Uh, I yeah. think that this is actually an area where um, risk management, I, I think, is going to be more and more central. There's 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 always been audit and finance and money things that you know with, within organizations, but the the my biggest takeaway on from taking and the learning was i guess maybe two things if i go is one was um each organization has its own crown jewels and so people go oh yeah we need a cybersecurity plan but what are you trying to protect um you need to actually define that and it's connected to strategy and intent and purpose and if you want to change what your what your intent is and what the purpose of the organization is and you start going down that that path without regard. It's like leaving the front door of the house open. Because you know, I'm going to go and work in the backyard, or we're going to do some landscaping, and yeah, I just leave the front door open. There, yeah. y- your vulnerabilities aren't there just simply not because you didn't have a bunch of computer techies, you know, buying the latest version of Norton. It's because you're doing things in, in like missing fire insurance, and and this is these guys are bad guys. And, and it's not just hacking your credit card It's it's organized nation state, uh, organized crime. Uh, and they're not, they're not nice people. And, um, there are, they're the equivalent mm. of arsonists. And so yeah. I've taken it upon myself to actually be, have home insurance and to, or to be sufficiently knowledgeable about insurance so that I could say, Hey, Mike, you got a, you know, you just had a, you said you had a, a new house. Hey, you got insurance on that. What yeah. what were your exclusions just, and yeah. how to ask questions and, and without getting into geek land? Uh, sorry, sorry, if for you. anybody is a geek. Yeah, that's very, the, is,
1: so. very, uh, very admirable. I saw, you know, obviously you saw it on LinkedIn and I gave you some love there, but just, it's kind of validates just not only, I'll you know, say, your calling, but the care and attention that you're adding value to your boards and your organization, so... I applaud you, on That's it. It's incredible.
0: Good. No, I appreciate that. I, I and and I, I I did you know even though I'm getting to be older than dirt, uh, it's I I actually find myself at you know I, I I tell people if you get if you get a book one of my books from me actually what I write in the inside cover is uh, Michelangelo's famous saying at the age of eighty seven, which is I'm still learning. So exactly, and I I hey, I hey. think sorry so,
1: well go i have ahead. a quick comment just just remember being a saskatchewan farm boy I, you know if you're old as dirt 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 hasn't depreciated that much so i mean there's value <laughs> yeah. in that and you're probably you, you're probably like good farmland you're probably worth even more today now so keep that in mind so yeah. there you go uh,
0: yeah I'm, I'm organic too right <laughs> so. yeah, exactly
1: it, that's that's a that's another upsell i love it
0: yep yeah. but we'll make um again um pleasure having the conversation and I'm looking forward to uh, lunch with leaders and I'm going to make sure that you buy me lunch. (laughs) So even
1: I I will, (laughs) I will make that happen again. As I, as I said, Brian, uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm blessed. We did connect and and had that instant connection. And uh, I look forward to staying in cut touch with you and following uh, your words of wisdom as you uh, evolve in your, in your podcasts and yeah, grateful for the opportunity. So, all the best in uh, in the year ahead to come and the organizations that you get to help so again uh, grateful yep. that we we made connection in uh, Canmore.
0: unplugged unscripted board leadership this is on board